smell here has been the sense of kindness in this place. I've came here since uh, 2002, and I remember you, you sort of you come in through the doors, didn't you? And you're not sure fit to expect a minor pastor to his leadership team to the boogies. And he says, place a bet. And the leadership team was like, well, I can help place a bet. We were like, we're just good Christians. We've never been in a boogies before. He's like, no, go place a bet. He's like, wait, I can't find this means. Three to one, one to three, each way as a favorite. Do the horses, do the, the, the bandits or the, the fitbar. And he said this thing, he says, now you realize, for like it is for people walking through a church, they've never been before. They just didn't care nothing. Everybody else has got maybe their places further, seat, they're familiar with the pastor, the worship team, but when you come through doors, that's why the welcome team so vital. One of the things that you'll just encounter before a sermon is even preached, whether you feel so you align with the Word of God and preaching for this pulpit or not, is, is the people kind or are they not? And if they're kind, oh, hmm, they seem all right, I could maybe hang about with these people because they're kind. And I have heard loads of sermons in 20 odd years here, loads of sermons through my Christian life. Um, but you can something, we are a message to the world. We show Jesus to the world, not just by what we declare, and it's important we declare truth, but we do show people Jesus by being kind, or we dinner show the world Jesus by being unkind. And I think kindness so, so powerful, so, so powerful. And when we started in this core values, from we had mission as one of the core values, when we re and praying about it, I thought mission was maybe just more about going out the power of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, people getting healed by your shadows, things like that. I do believe in that, and obviously we've prayed for some of that this morning, but the power of kindness, it's so infectious and so godlike, and it goes right back. If some of you have been here for a few weeks, you can't have been studying early church history, and I'm ready to bore you with some of that once again. You're ready to be bored by some early church history, yes. The first few hundred years, the church was birthed through the movement of the Holy Spirit. The apostles came, the gospel spread, they died, but there was people that came after them. So I have been really studying how the gospel moved during that period. And it was amazing that they'd just become a people of kindness. And their lives changed. A few weeks ago, I spoke about the, the habitus. It's fire art. It forms your habits. And these people started to follow Jesus. And people noticed them at a time of panic. They were peacemakers. And they carried the peace of the Lord. And people were sacrificing to their gods. There was a pandemic at the time. I think it was the Spanish flu was threatening to wipe out the Roman Empire. But yet these Christians who was willing to help people knew that greater than a disease or a pandemic in the times that they live in, greater than the government's rules, they carried the peace of Jesus. And when they went about their lives peacefully, adding to society, caring for the sick, helping the poor, the people that were panicking thought, wow, these people really seem to hear something that I want. And then they started getting saved, and their neighbors, or wasn't it, wasn't it like massive wide evangelism in necessarily a big coliseum? It was just household by household, 
people noticing there is something different about these Christ followers. And one of the things that was stark was their generosity. Let me just read you this for, for this book I'll quote. Christians were to be starkly different in their lifestyle. In a culture of gladiator games, infanticide, I'm not sure if that is, like killing infants maybe, where human flesh was cheap, the Christians were to witness to a culture of life, dignity, and charity. Not only were murder and adultery forbidden, but generosity was expected and commanded. Do not hesitate to give and to not give with bad grace. You will discover, this is the words I live by, who he is that pays you back a reward with a good grace. Do not turn your back on the needy. This was the motto of the early church. Share everything with your brother and call nothing your own. For if you have what is eternal in common, how much more should you have what is temporary? The early Christians knew that they entered into a generous family. The gods of the Greek and Roman myths were simply human beings made large. All the positive characteristics we find in people such as beauty, intelligence, and power were magnified in the gods, small g. But so were all the human foibles, failings. The gods cheated on their spouses. They came down to earth from time to time to use and abuse people. They were often fickle, volatile, even treacherous, taking your side one minute and switching sides the next. The goal of pagan worship was basically to placate and, if possible, manipulate the gods through bribery and gifts. And certainly, by all means, one must avoid arousing their anger through pride. Cultured pagans believed on or at least were aware of the god of the philosophers, but this god, the unmoved mover, though not hostile or copricus, was nonetheless apathetic. But the Christian God was a God that cared for His people. He passionately loved them. And the human race He came and died for. And emphasizing just how much the God of the Christians was committed to man, our mystery author expounds the incarnation, God reached out to touch us by sending to men some subordinate, an angel or principality or one of those who administer earthly affairs, or perhaps one of those to whom the government of things in heaven is entrusted. Rather, God Himself sent the designer and maker of the universe Himself. Now, did He send Him, as a human might assume, to rule by tyranny, fear, and terror? Far from it. He sent Him out of kindness and gentleness, like a king sending his son, who is himself a king. He sent Him out as God. He sent Him as man to men. So what happened was this, the pagan worshippers had this God, small g, but the God, small g, the stories about them, they were like humans declaring beauty and gentleness, but they were at the same time self-seeking and had failures as well. The stories about them, they would come do and get involved with human affairs and muck up the same as humans, but demanded sacrifices and worship and hoping to please them so that it might go well with the people. God had Aphrodite, fertility, sacrifice to her, do things right by her, and you might get an answer to Matthew 13. 
But then, this Christ God, this Christians appeared, following a resurrected, selfless Christ. They spoke about giving and caring and loving and helping the needy and the meek and the mild. That Christ had a heart of generosity. That it wasn't just luck. Feed my ego and I might do something for you. That Christ came and he gave his life as a sacrifice. We take it for granted here in the year 2022 for the gospel means. But could you imagine in a time of a Roman Empire that was anti-Christian, they killed the Savior Jesus, time of pagan worship, that this Christians went with a spirit of kindness, a generosity to our God cares, our God loves you, that Christ came, God as man, nailed, pierced for your transgressions, and through his kindness, he wants you to recognize his love and to follow him. He doesn't want you to follow him because he's tyrannical or just to a Jew, but because you've got a revelation of his goodness and kindness, and God's people was to show this goodness and kindness into their communities. These people shone like a beacon of light. Paul writes to the church in Philippi that the stars shine in the night against the backdrop of a dark sky, that we should do our best to shine the light of Jesus. How powerful is kindness? We have a kind God, didn't we? And the gospel spread, yes, through a message, but the gospel spread through good deeds, actually doing stuff, helping people. It's written in Titus, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. The kindness and love of God appeared through Jesus. Christ was the embodiment of a loving, kind God. And this is the message He preached. And at the time it was preached, it was controversial because it was so wow. At that time, people were so, I guess you could say, the same as the death self-seeking, but listen to the words of the Sermon of the Mount. This totally changed society. You have heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. A time of war and hostility. These Christians went about with the message, no, we must love even our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only them that love you, what reward do you have? Even tax collectors do the same. Therefore, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We have this kind Jesus. They crucified him. But you read his story of God becoming flesh, and he moved at every angle, at every story of kindness or goodness or love. A widow lost a son who resurrected the son, believed in families being reunited. People went hungry and followed him into the desert. And he could have sent him away parking saying, it's your own fault, you should have prepared better. But he multiplied loaves and fishes. He's a kind God. Kind, kind, kind. 
He's kind-hearted. He's generous. He loves His people, for God so loved the world. He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever should believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is kindness. Didn't just shout for heaven, come on, people, do better, turn for your wicked ways. But He came as a man, Jesus Christ, and did something about it, love and action. And these early Christians went out with a message of kindness. And I wonder if the day there is still part of the mission, 2022, to carry to the world was simple generosity and kindness. This is an encouragement. But may our doors be open with a sense of kindness or love or respect or generosity. about words, about proclaiming the gospel, but about deeds as well. Some would say it's never about what you do. You're saved simply by grace, which means you don't need to do one thing after that, and you're heaven-bound. But listen to this words found in James. What good is it, my dear brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is seen as dead. Some will say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good, even the demons believe that and shudder. James put forward, look, we might say we believe in Jesus and He's so kind, but yet it has to be seen in the community of faith. That if somebody comes and says, oh, I've got a real need and I've got enough food to live on. He says, fit use is it. If you say you serve a kind God, a kind Christ that came and lived and died, and just give him a pat on the back and say, peace be with you. I hope it goes well. James says, we've got a match or proclamation of faith we fulfill the needs for each other and the community. Faith in deeds, faith in deeds, faith in deeds. Sometimes it's big things like food and clothes and homes. Sometimes it's little things by simply saying hello to somebody else during welcome time. Like, oh, I'm a droll hair. I don't like saying gun and speaking to folk. Well, you might just have to get our being a droll hair. But I have slightly droll hairs. What could be the moment that somebody was just wanting a friendly face, a voice to speak to, to chat to, to ask them how their week has been, to offer up a prayer of faith? It's not just faith, it's faith in deeds, it's faith in deeds. You will mind very few sermons through a lifetime at church, but you'll always mind them that are kind to you. You'll be able to pinpoint times in your life and say, I was gone through something there. They were there for me. There was a helping hand. I phoned them and they maybe didn't say much, but they just listened. That's being kind. That's being kind. The early church knew that it couldn't separate mission 
for good deeds. They couldn't have proclamation without a demonstration of God's love. I'm grateful to be part of a fellowship that would say, hey, we'll proclaim the gospel, but we want to be a people to demonstrate it to people. But when they just flood social media or stuff and say God saves, but we're willing to do the clubs and put on breakfast things to try and help and feed the poor, whether it's Pactu or Neh, that we've got to hear heart or kindness. Maybe the best tool we'll hear in evangelism is just the simple offer up of a kind word, a hello, and a generous heart. The really foundation of this fellowship, I believe, of the mission of kindness. I want to go full circle, start with church history, I spoke about Jesus, kind Jesus, kind Christians. And this is my take. This was Jesus' example of it is to move in kindness. A lot of years will be familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan, even if you never went through Sunday school. The world still speaks about the Good Samaritan. I don't think we really understand the Good Samaritan fully because I didn't recognize the tension fully between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. They were in conflict. They didn't believe the same things. There was great, great tension. The day you could see racial tensions, things like that. But I want to bring it home to the only place I can find that would relate to what I see. And I want to bore some of you to tears, but hopefully you get the heart and the spirit that I'm trying to put forward. We've got to look at Fitbar fans. Oh, I can't, Beth. But you'll understand what I'm on about. And this is my take on the Good Samaritan, and then we'll wrap it up, okay? So you got this guy with a green and white shirt on. Well, come to me. And he's got a green and white scarf and on his way home for celebrating becoming the champions, he gets beaten, battered, and bruised and left at the side of the road for dead. Why would that our football? And then out for the shadows, a Hertz fan turns up singing, We Are the Jambos, dressed in maroon. And there's no great tension between Hertz fans and Celtic fans, really. But he's busy. He wants to get him, get on with his life. He sees with the corner of his eye, wee Timmy, in green and white, battered and bruised and broken. And we'll call the Hertz fans, John. And John looks at his watch and looks at Timmy, looks at his watch and looks at Timmy and says, Hold on. See a guy in need. I need to get him. So he doesn't cross over to the other side. He gets him. He's the mother's made him freshly made jam tarts. I'll get him and devour them. Gone. And then somebody else comes along. Out for the fog. Singing, We are the dawns from Aberdeen. Still rejoicing about the two trophies that they might have won. Only a British team 
I believe, today or first. Nothing major between Celtic fans and Everdeen fans. He's stuck in the past, glorying about for Alex Ferguson and the statue. And he sees we Timmy at the other side of the road in need. Well, I need to get back to the Granite City. And he sees him and doesn't have any compassion on him. I've got a better things to do with my time and help. We probably deserve it. Probably takes a selfie with we Timmy in the background. Look what I found walking him. And he goes on his way. We Timmy is getting, he's getting worse and worse. He's been left for dead. Then a loud voice comes singing simply the best. Well, Kaham Jamie. Simply the best, better than all the rest. And they've just come. That's a color, Jamie. For beating the mighty Livingston and drenched in red, white, and blue, and sees we Timmy at the side of the road, left for dead by some robbers who couldn't handle a guy celebrating his team winning the title. But Jamie takes a look at Timmy, and if I was only clash air we fit by teams and religion their own thing is between them two supporters massive history and Jimmy looks at Timmy and he's got other things to do he's got a reason there to be here and he could have went to the pub at the end and showed his fellow bears the selfie of wee Timmy in a rough day and he would have got a clap in the back and he probably would have sung a song. But for a moment, he sees Timmy, and the only thing he can feel is compassion and kindness and love and seeing him as a human being. And there's moments far we need to lay down our scarves and our agendas and our differences and instead of building was building bridges. The other two that had gone before probably a reason there to be or a reason there to help. But for some reason, the guy called Jamie, drenched in blue, seen somebody that if they're hurting, they bleed the same bleed as they do. And the circumstances had been different, that they also could have been Timmy in a time of need, and they would probably want, if I was that guy, to somebody there to take a selfie stick and take a photo. But to cross the road and to help. And Jamie knew only, he rode in in his donkey, he didn't only say, oh, I'll pray for you, I hope it goes well for you, we've got a prayer meeting starting at church, we'll put you top of the agenda, we'll see you later. But he picked him up, he put him on his donkey, and he went to the closest holiday inn, spa resort, and says to the guy, look, this guy's been battered and bruised. I'm paying the money to make sure he is looked after. I've got a journey. And if he outspends the money that I've gave you, you make sure he gets treated well. But if he outspends it, 
on my way back, cancel the debt. Wow. That's how Jesus described when people says, Faz your neighbor, faz your neighbor, if I was supposed to have compassion on. He denotes something that was so much hostility and says, that's how you treat your neighbor. Just a few things on that. Who is your neighbor was the question. Just whoever you find in need through your walk or life, God gives ears to hear, gives eyes to see. Often we go through this life just thinking about us. What's happening in my patch? How am I doing? What's my well-being? But the foundation of Christianity and the Jesus movement is they just having eyes on us, but how's everybody else doing? Who is your neighbor? It's the person that you see in need, and it will cost you. The good Samaritan says, I'll pay the price to see this guy made well, and I'll journey with him. And sometimes when you journey with people, you want to see them restored, there's a price to be paid. It might be money, it just might be your time. It might be a phone call, it might be a message, but the kindness of God. Jesus says, this is what I want for my people. They'll be bridge builders. They want to see racism, and they want to see the color of skin, they'll not see rich, poor. They'll just be helpful. And the gospel of Jesus Christ spread through the years because we was helpful. The hospital started through Christians being helpful. Schools started through Christians being helpful. The government might not like our message. I've got a sneaky feeling that they would close our do us doing. Apart from one thing, we are really helpful in communities. We are still the biggest army of volunteers on the face of the planet. They close us doing, they close doing our food banks, they close doing our clubs, they close doing our kids' work, or our youth works, we go into care homes. We work the day with the needy. And if we did it, they might have to pick up the slack. The church is to be seen as a shining light in a dark, dark world through simple gifts or kindness. I'd love to end this by Erasmus. How do you end a sermon like this apart from said Jesus? It's him that marks us be kind. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And people started to change back in the early church that they was unkind, one minute self-seeking. And then they became kind. And people thought, oh, they're new kind. It makes you kind. Well, see, I became a Christian, and he's on about loving enemies, praying for them to persecute you, helping the needy, helping the needy. People are drawn to kindness. They're drawn to kindness. It's like a magnet. It's like a moth to a flame. Go about your daily lives, church, and recognize the needs in other people's lives. I'll give you this example while I was working through this. Because I can get into the mode of just messages, messages, messages. But it's also about showing, showing, showing. And I'm not saying this, so you look at me, but you are looking for leadership. Sometimes you've just to share stories. So, I was from a weekly shop in Iceland, right? A five pound half voucher, go on. And I've seen a guy I hadn't seen for years. 
And guess what we got in? The subject that's on everybody's lips, the cost of living crisis. Even Iceland is going to be a dealer, right? So I spoke about it. I said, I don't want to just go speak about turmoil. Dean Whaley used to be an alcoholic, but for years he sort of kept himself clean. I says, look, come to church, Ken. I'm a Christian, I believe. He's looking for community. So I feel isolated. I says, just come along, Ken. If you don't like it, you don't like it, but you might find it surprisingly good. So he was just in for a basket for himself. I was in for my health. Family, so it's like icicles and all that. Jazz during the summer. And then I get to, to the tell, and he's after me. And I felt as though the Lord was saying, get his stuff as well. You've got an option in a moment like that. Because if you say no, and just get your end stuff, nobody's got to think on the less of you. Because that's what it's expected at the tell. So I was like, oh, I don't have to get his stuff in there. No, we didn't hear Lord's. I thought, I have just told this guy I'm a Christian who spoke about the cost of living crisis. Maybe it would just be fine just to do. Will he at that point bow the knee and confess Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior? Maybe no. But yet it's a seed of kindness that you're just never sure it's going to happen with it. But a guy's through as well. Shopkeeper, the, the lady to tell. I really like. I was like, I. I was like, and you have to, I have to try and get Jesus in here because you'll just think I'm doing it for, for me. So I'm a Christian and I just believe. Find a help for it again. He was amazed. She was delighted as well. Walked away. The reason I'm saying that is now, oh, look at me. It's just an example. Oh, just little good deeds here and there. The Christian is now self seeking. We are still a movement of kindness. Because we've got a kind God who has been kind towards us. And Christ's teachings and expectations we follow him would be a shining light in this dark, dark world. We see the world getting darker. I wonder if God is setting up the church to be the most generous, kind vehicle on the face of the planet that folks got to see, wow, while Abdi. Other people are self-seeking. There is still a movement that believes in looking after other people. I ask the worship team to come up. Remember, because I've said a lot. Remember, and you might forget a lot if it was said this morning. Just remember the guy called Jamie that laid down his scarf and his title and his preconceived ideas to help somebody in need. And you will face somebody this week, even this day, who's maybe just feeling a bit battered and broken by life. I wonder if the church continue to look like if we moved in the power of extreme generosity and kindness, an infectious kindness that is felt. Said at the start, this is not a rebuke, this is now like, look, I'm sensing as a command that you're very unkind and you're getting coarse with each other. I get a scarce feeling that you kind of stick each other. This is not this this morning. This is, we've got to protect and promote kindness. Protect it. Never let fellowship get unkind. Protect it, and I believe the fellowship will flourish. Let's stand. We're going to pray. Let's kind of ask God just to develop his kindness through us. We'll take up our offerings.
If you're a visitor here, please feel free to just let a bag pass you by. But Jesus, we first acknowledge your kindness and generosity towards us. You have called us to be a kind people, a generous people that will see people as valuable before God. Every person on the face of this planet you love and you pay the price for their redemption and nobody is beyond saving. Help us, oh God, not just to go with a message, but to be your hands and to be your feet. To a tired generation, a broken generation, a lonely generation, a lot of times a poor generation. As we took up our tithes and offerings, help us, oh God, to use the finances of people to distribute them fairly to help them mess in need. Give us the wisdom and the courage and compassion to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And may the world look on and see a kind-hearted followers of Jesus' movement that would pay the price to see people become well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.